as Presh said, my name is Hattie. I am our social action um, manager and um, on the leadership development year with Mao and Annie, and I'm also a physio on my day off, <laughs> kind of. Um, so yeah, it's great to be with you this morning, and um, yeah, I hope you've all had a great afternoon. I um, headed over to um, Left Handed Giant, and I had a pizza called Jesus, Jesus Crust. So <laughs> I'm well fed and ready. Um, but yeah, we are in week three now of our sermon series, Faith Into Action, going through the book of Acts. And last week we heard Betty talking about how we can activate our gifts. And if you miss it, I would thoroughly recommend that, going back and watching it. So this week we are looking at Acts 4 and the question, how to care for the poor. Looking at the early church, following on from the day of Pentecost, the Spirit envisions, empowers, and propels the disciples out into the world to live out the Great Commission of Jesus. So what is our vision here at St. Nick's as part of the Great Commission of Jesus? Hopefully you've heard it before. To play our part in the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. Jesus' manifesto was all about looking after the poor. It was central to his ministry. The church he built was a church that didn't just think about helping, for the, helping the poor, it was for the poor. He taught his disciples by example about what life in the kingdom looked like. A way of doing life that said no to the building the kingdom of me and yes to building the kingdom of Jesus. And this is still Jesus' mission today, to see his church raised up to share the good news to the nation to revitalize the church and transform society. Caring for the poor is at the heart of this vision and therefore should be permeated through everything we do and are about at St. Nick's. So how do we do it? How do we care for the poor? Caring for the poor starts in the heart. So this is my first point today. What is in your heart? Um, this, uh, Last year, at the beginning of last year, I moved to Amsterdam, and um, I was on a discipleship training school with YWAM, stands for Youth with a Mission. I um, don't know if anyone has heard of it, but um, yeah, so I moved to Amsterdam, and I'm sure most of you know that Amsterdam is a city of bikes, so I was very keen to bring my bike with me. Um, and this wasn't any old bike, this is my pride and joy. I loved this bike. It was a 1980s Claude Butler, it was metallic turquoise, I had white dropped handlebars, and I got an old school leather seat that I attached onto it. So I was very excited to bring my bike to Amsterdam and explore my favorite city um, on Claude. Um, and then I met my friend Henry, and Henry, he has an amazing testimony, he was from the Gambia, and he had to leave his home at the age of 17, and he traveled up to northern Africa. And then him and a few friends um, tried to, attempted to cross the Mediterranean Sea in a dinghy. And they, they got about halfway. And then the dinghy started to fill with water, and they thought they were going to drown. And he didn't really believe in Jesus, but he cried out, Jesus, if you're real, save, save us. And then along came a fishing boat, and they picked them up and took them to Italy. And then Henry traveled up Italy and across Europe for the next few years and ended up in YWAM and was picked up by a family and they paid for him to come on my DTS. So I met him and he used to borrow my bike and, you know, do whatever. <laughs> and I was fine with that as long as it was returned to me by the end of the day. Um, but then COVID hit and our school was cancelled 
and we all had about a day to figure out how we were going to get home. Um, but all I could think about was, what am I going to do with my bike? I'd come in a car, and now I had to leave on a plane. <laughs> so I hatched a plan that I was going to lock my bike to a bridge by my favorite cafe, and it would be like a bit of an insurance policy for me to go back to Amsterdam, take my bike home safely with me, clawed back to England. Um, but Henry came up to me just as I was about to go, and he said, Hats, when are you leaving? And I said, this afternoon, he said, can I have your bike? stabbed to the heart as I found myself handing over my bike keys to my pride and joy and watched him as he cycled off into the sunset. Um, not quite, but <laughs> this was a guy who had left his family and his country at the age of 17. He nearly drowned at sea, was a refugee in a country totally alien from his own. He had nothing, no money, no job, and all I could think about was how nuts he was to ask me for my bike. This is an opportunity for me to love and care for the poor, but my heart was totally out of whack. I did give him my bike, but it wasn't from a place overflowing with a heart at one with Jesus. Didn't Jesus say, if someone takes your cloak, give them your tunic as well? Or if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles? I needed a heart check. Was my heart burning for the injustices that Henry had faced? No. Today is World Refugee Day, and the latest figures suggest that every minute, 20 people are forced to leave their homes in order to keep safe from persecution, war, and natural disaster. Are our hearts burning for the injustices and oppression that refugees across Bristol are facing right now? How we care for the poor comes from an overflow of our hearts. We read in Acts 4, verse 32, about how the believers were one in heart and mind. They had their hearts set on sharing and caring for each other. But these were disciples that who a few years earlier about building the kingdom of me. What can I gain? I don't know if we've got any fans of The Chosen in the house today. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, it is a crowdfunded TV series that shows the story of Jesus and his disciples um, stories through the gospel, I would thoroughly recommend it if you haven't seen it. But what I love the most in it is how it shows the transformation of the hearts of the disciples over their time with Jesus. When the character of Peter is introduced in episode one, he's an anxious man, so concerned about himself, paying his taxes, making his money, building his kingdom, that he has no time to think about anyone else. His heart is turned away from the poor and towards himself. But then we come to this passage again in Acts and see that heart transformation so evidently. So what changed? Jesus. It was an encounter with Jesus. Or many encounters. Many, many times with the disciples getting it wrong. Having their hearts in the wrong place. Missing the point of Jesus' mission to love and seek the lost. To care for the poor and to bind up broken hearted. Just a few verses earlier in Acts 4, verse 13, it says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they marveled and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that they had, they had been with Jesus. Being with Jesus, learning from the master, sitting at his feet, eating from his table, it allowed a space 
for a transformation to happen in the disciples' hearts. Do you want that? I want that. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and will put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This really has been my prayer over the last few weeks, um, looking a bit more internally at myself and my own heart, giving myself a bit of a heart check. And I've, yeah, I've been praying that Ezekiel prayer over myself, give me a new heart, put a new heart in me. Take my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. And I think it is a key passage to hold on to, and, and we'll pray into it later. Um, the Holy Spirit will take our hearts of stone, where we have been cold towards individuals, people, groups, injustices, the marginalized, and give us a new heart for them. And I know it can feel overwhelming. I have felt that moving to Bristol and starting this role doing social action. When I first started, I was honestly full of doubts about myself, my abilities, what I was doing. I didn't feel qualified enough, this enough, that enough. As a physio, you train in uni and then you go and you do it. And you know what you're doing, you've had your training. Um, but I didn't feel like I had, a, had had any training. I didn't really <laughs> know what I was doing. But then I saw a sign actually just outside of church by that yellow banana sculpture. And on it, it said, if not you, who? If not now, when? And then I walked home and I walked up Park Street and I saw the same site on the side of a bin. And then I walked into a shop and a girl walked in front of me and she had a tote bag on and the same sign, if not you, who? If not now, when? Three times in an hour and I thought, okay, Jesus, I hear you. <laughs> Even if you're full of doubts, if not you, who? If not now, when? You and now. And it is overwhelming, and that is the thing with social action. It's never done, it's never complete. There is always more. In Matthew 26, verse 11, Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you. There is always more to do to fulfill the Great Commission. But that is where I think the church body can move so effectively. When the Holy Spirit moves within, within us as individuals, gives us a heart for something, an area of need or a burning passion, for an injustice that we see, and that empowers and emboldens us to move into action, then we can be a real force for change. If not you, who? If not now, when? So what's in your heart? Then let me ask you this. What's in your hands? This is my second point today. What is in your hands? Verse 32 says, No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. I loved what Betty talked about last week, looking at what we have in our hands, our gifts, and activating our gifts, coupled with that heart for an era of poverty, leads us into action. But sometimes it does take a change of mindset towards what we have in our hands and how we can use those gifts and resources for good. When I was praying earlier in the week about um, how we can care for the poor, preparing for this talk, I really feel God speak to me about you guys, the church, highly creative visionaries. You might not feel that creative, but you are. Online, you are creative. I'm getting the creative vibes from you. <laughs> you were created in the image of God, the most creative being that exists. So I've been thinking about this idea of the church having an entrepreneurial spirit to care for the poor. 
And an entrepreneur is more than just someone with a business ideas, but it encompasses vision and foresight and innovation. I believe this is something that God wants to release over us, over St. Nick's, in this season coming out of lockdown as a church. So that's exciting. <laughs> um, we have been going through a book in LDY teaching, um, All Things New by Pete Hughes. He is the vicar at King's Cross Church in London. And in his book, he shares a story about a trip he went on to Uganda to learn from people who were empowering others to think entrepreneurially about how to lift their communities out of poverty. The projects, all run by local churches in partnership with Tear Fund, begin the process by asking people a simple question. What resources do you currently possess that could be used to help alleviate suffering in your community? The standard answer at the start of that process is nothing. Pete tells a story about a man who had a swamp land. And this man was quite ashamed about this swamp land because it was the source of um, high rates of malaria in that area of Uganda because um, the mosquitoes used to breed in this swamp land. So when they, people came to him and asked him, what do you have in your hands? He did say nothing because he was ashamed about what he had in his hands. It was a source of death in the area. So they encouraged him to view it differently. Um, so he started thinking about what he would do with this swamp land and he gathered a few friends and they started to dig a big hole in the swamp land. So they were digging and digging and digging and they digged for 30 days and eventually they hit the waterline and then this swamp land, this big hole, started to fill with water and then they started to breed fish there. And then the, there was enough fish eventually for him to feed his family and then there was enough fish for him to feed the community. And then there was enough fish for him to sell them in market. And with that money, he was able to send his kids to school, which is such a key way out of poverty is education in the third world. So he had one pond, he could feed his family, he feed the community, and then he could sell his, send his kids to school. And then he built another pond. And with that, that pond, they sold the fish, and he was able to send all of the kids in the um, the whole community to school, so they were all getting an education. And then he built a third pond and a fourth pond. And Pete uh, visits at the point with the four ponds and they were walking around the area and he said it was just a picture of Eden, that um, life was thriving there and they couldn't work out why the fish were doing so well. And um, rates of malaria started to drop in that area and it turns out that the fish were feeding on the larvae from the mosquitoes. Um, so malaria rates are dropping. And it's, so it, this picture of death to life in this swamp land. And I just think that is amazing because that is what Jesus does. With, with nothing, he brings death to life. And I just think it's an amazing story of the transformation of a mindset as well. So when Pete Hughes returned to London, he began inviting the community at KXC to begin asking the same question those in northern Uganda were asking. What resources do we have that could help alleviate poverty and suffering in King's Cross and create pathways to human flourishing? So I invite us now to ask the same questions. What resources do you have that could help alleviate poverty and suffering in Bristol and create pathways to human flourishing? So how do we care for the poor? What's in your heart? 
starts with the heart, a transformation of the heart. And what's in our hands? What resources do we have in our hands right now that we can use? Maybe it's take a change of mindset. But what do we have right now that we can help alleviate poverty and suffering in Bristol? So the worship team are going to come up now. But I'd love to finish with the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, verse 34, where he prophesies about the day he would return to his church, a church built for the poor. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So we're going to pray now. In the building, why don't we stand? going to invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Come now. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fill our hearts, Jesus. And I pray that you would speak to us about what is in our hearts right now. And I pray that you stir a passion in us for an area, an injustice, something that we see in Bristol that we just say this is not okay anymore. This is not okay. I can't just sit by and do nothing. I can't, I can't see this happening in my community anymore. Stir a passion in our hearts and empower us, Jesus. I pray for anyone here that is feeling doubt in this moment of, yeah, maybe someone else. Just remember those words that I saw all over the city. If not you, who? If not now, when? And Jesus, will you speak to us about what is in our heart, in our hands right now? Resources that we may have. Time, money, food, a house, car, bikes, swamp land. What is our swamp land, Jesus? Speak to us now. And I pray for that um, entrepreneurial spirit, Jesus. We release that, release that over us now, release that over your church. Empower us, embolden us. Give us ideas, give us visions, Jesus. Release that spirit of being an entrepreneur, innovation and foresight. Release it over your church, Jesus. It is our privilege, it is our privilege to partner with you in the Great Commission. It is our privilege to partner with you to transform our society. So embolden us now. Fill us again with your spirit.